Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. Good morning, Allie. Oh, good morning, Jen. Okay, good. So my new phone is working. Look at that. Go you. I am of the age when I get the new upgraded phone. I'm filled with hate when I find out they've (laughs) taken away my favorite features, etc. That's my age. That's great. Yeah. I got my new phone and I've just, and I don't, I realized I don't remember my passwords to a lot of my apps, et cetera, because I had the old phone for so long. Everything was just logged in like motherfucker. Oh, I know. Right. (laughs) So what you've been doing lately? Just enjoying this weather. Michigan is finally turning it. We skipped spring and went straight to summer. I'm fine with that. You know, I'm not arguing. I, um, I got another fish tank. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just that my snails had gotten so big, I felt bad for them, especially Barbarella. He is huge. So I got a 10-gallon tank. (laughs) Oh, now you can get more killer snails. Yeah, I do have killer snails in two of my tanks. (laughs) But my mysteries are in their own tank with a beta fish. A beta fish who gets really depressed if he's in the tank without the snails. I, I had a problem with that once. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So what do you want to tell me about now? I am going to tell you about Teresa. I think it's the Keezer, D-E-K-E-Y-Z-E-R. DeKaiser? DeKaiser. Uh, the keezer. I just want to say that I did try to put that in the Google to have it pronounce it to me, and it wouldn't. So I hate when that happens. I know because, like, Um, if you can't do it, how am I going to do it? Yeah, I just want to say though, I made an effort. Okay, okay, I I believe you. I believe you. Um, I've got kind of like a mishmash. I'm going to do one about a a serial murder in the 1800s and. I'm not going to go like full detail because she actually kills a lot of children, including her own. Oh. But I will refer you to a book that does give those details. I'll just tell you about the three murders that she was like indicted for. One does include a baby, just so you're clear. Then I'm going to talk about um, a cold case that was recently solved that's ongoing. Well, that, well, I shouldn't say solved. The DNA was matched. So I'm going to talk about that one. And I'm going to talk about a couple of drownings in the Great Lakes. Because I found this most amazing articles where they were going back and forth, whether or not the Great Lakes are seas or if they're lakes. Because it was amazing, the fact that there, there's no real scientific definition to separate the two, sort of. And so yeah. they go back and forth about whether or not the um, Environmental Protection Agency has the Great Lakes listed as an inland fresh boi- freshwater sea. Really? Yeah, and I just read the most interesting article, but I'm going to talk about a couple of drownings in the lake because I've, I always talk about how <laughs> the things that will kill you in Michigan, like we don't have wildfires, we don't have earthquakes, we don't have deadly tornadoes, but we will, we will kill you with our winter. Winter will kill you and we'll kill you with our water. Our water doesn't fucking play. It drowns everybody. Right. So, yeah, I'm going to do a couple of those. So do you want to go first? No, why don't you go first? Okay. So the first one, oh, just, you know, I got my stuff from like lostinmichigan.net, pekoskinews.com, 
click on Detroit and M Live. All right. M Live is just my baby. Like if M Live ever goes under, I'm screwed because right. I use M Live all the I time. I know. Me yeah. too. So Mary McKnight, she was born in northern Michigan in the late 1800s, and she basically spent her life living in different cities in, you know, the, in the northern Michigan area. She stayed in like Grayling, Alpena, Saginaw, and Kaska County. Her family saw her as loving and kind and willing to care for others who were sick or in need. But I was like, mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> Both of Mary's husband and all three of her children died while under Mary's care. And a six-year-old relative named Ruth, Mur- Ruth Murphy, who lived in Grayling, passed while Mary was tending to the family in 1903. In the spring of that year, Mary came to live with her brother, John, and his wife, Gertrude, and their three-month-old infant. John and Gertrude lived in Springfield Township while they waited for their new house to be built. And within three months of Mary moving in, Gertrude and the baby had passed away. A week later, John becomes ill and he suffers from like muscle spasms and seizures. And at John's death, a local doctor becomes suspicious of John's, John's symptoms before death because he's like, hmm, these are the same symptoms of someone, you know, who has been poisoned by cyanide. This is these are the symptoms that they express. So he, he decides that he's going to do an autopsy and he has John's and Gertrude's bodies exhumed and there's not their stomach contents are examined and they had been poisoned. So police begin to look into the death of the people that were around her because a lot of people died around her. There were many suspicious deaths, but in the end, Mary was only convicted of the deaths of John Gertrude and their baby. Now newspapers referred to Mary McKnight as the Michigan Borgia. And do you know who Lucretia Borgia is? No. Who is that? Okay. She was this poisoner who lived from like the 1400s to the early 1500s. She's really famous for poisoning people. And she's the one, if you ever see in a movie where like a woman opens up a ring and then dumps poison out of it, yeah, that's what she actual had. That was like the rumors that she had a, ring, a hollow ring she would put poison in. That's where they get that from. So she was a known poisoner. Her name was Lucretia Borgia. And so they call Mary McKnight the Michigan Borgia because she poisoned so many people. Now, the three poison McKnights were laid to rest in a cemetery in Springfield Township, Michigan. And there's, there is a lot more to the story. I mean, more deaths, a lot of stuff from the early years of Mary's life. So the book is called Michigan's Strychnine Saint, The Curious Case of Mary McKnight. <coughs> Excuse me. So that is what I would suggest that um, you read if you want to know more about the earlier deaths. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for Shannon Dockery, I got Fox News Detroit and Detroit.cbslocal.com. And I saw this as, you know, they're like cold case, cold case. And when I read it, it was one of the articles, actually, the Fox 2 article did a lot of um, talking about her son. So Jonathan Curry was two years old when his mom, Sonia Dockery, Sonia, I'm sorry, Sonia Dockery, was, she was murdered in 1997. Sonia was 33 years old on December 1st, 1997, when she was found strangled to death. Jonathan created a production company named 7133. The 71 stands for the age that his mother was when she died. And the 33 was, so his grandmother dies at 71. Sonia mm-hmm. dies at 33 and he names his company, you know, his mom dies at 33, 7133. So time's passing and DNA work is being done to close cases. And Jonathan is like, well, can you look into my mom's case again now that DNA is moving forward? Because when Sonia's body was found in the area of Sussex Streets by the James um, Cousins service drive, she had significant amounts of DNA embedded under her fingernails. 
And detectives believe this shows that she was fighting her attacker and managed to like severely scratch them that she had so much DNA that she was like scratching. And so they are finally able to match that DNA now that, you know, Jonathan's like, look into it again. They look into it again. And 25 years later, they match to a suspect. And that's Johnny Yenshaw. He is currently 55 years old and he's being charged with Sonia's murder for first degree. And he doesn't have any known connection to Sonia and or Sonia. Sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know. I keep doing that. <laughs> and also this is an ongoing case. So I will update you with the results. Wow. Yeah. Cause they're like, I think it's amazing years. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love that her son, he was two when she died and he like, and he was raised by his grandma after that. And like, he basically never forgot the two of them. And when they died, you know, he named his company after them. And he's the one that came to the police again and was like, Hey, with everything that's moving forward, why don't you look at my mom again? And they were like, okay, cool. And it worked. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Yeah, that is right. amazing. So now this is going to be a drowning in the lakes because now I'm getting into the lakes. So Ronald Wayne Yeager, he was from Fruitland Township in Western Michigan. He was a fisherman and he was last known to launch his boat in August of 2000 at the Whitehall Municipal Boat Launch on Lake Michigan. And the very next day he's reported missing. He never comes back. Ronald's boat washed ashore 80 miles away from the launch on the Wisconsin coast. Yeah, so he launches from Michigan, 80 miles away, the boat washes up, and the Michigan State Police stated that the Coast Guard did search for him, but they were not able to find any more traces after the boat pulls up. 2014 now, so it goes 14 years later, there's a jogger in Allegan County, Michigan, that finds a human jawbone on the shore of Lake Michigan that still contained three teeth. So they're able to get, you know, DNA from the teeth. And they turn it into authorities, the jawbone. And Michigan State Detective Sergeant Scott Ernestes decides to reach out to the DNA Dope Project. And that's something he had used previously. The DNA Dope Project is a nonprofit organization that specializes in identifying remains. The bone was sent to genealogists at the University of North Texas. And this year, they were able to successfully match the jawbone to one of Ronald Yeager's adult children. And they were able to match Ronald Yeager's DNA to another set of remains also found in 2014, this time in Oceana County, Michigan. So he goes missing in 2000 and two different times in 2014, his bones are found in two different places and his remains were returned to his family. That's amazing. Yeah. That's how that lake does not fuck around. Like these lakes don't fuck around. So after I read that, I, I start looking up the lake stuff. I start looking into like, what is this or that? And, you know, we have as a state, we put out, well, actually we do it with the other states, people, lists of people that drowned, what were the circumstances every year, the different drownings, you know, on the lakes, because there's literally hundreds. So I'm reading this one and it terrifies the shit out of me because I felt like these guys should have been safe. You know what I mean? They should have been safe. They, they weren't in the water. The water came and got them. Okay. So, (laughs) so what happened was. There's these men, they're in St. Joseph, Michigan. They're on a pier wash-off, okay? And I don't want to say What's a pier wash-off? Well, um, have you ever been to the Great Lakes? Yeah. Sometimes they have these long cement piers. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the ones that they're on. Imagine one of those oh, piers. Okay. Sometimes there's like a little light at the end to let them yeah. know that there's... Okay. So they're on one of those piers and they're fishing. 
and I don't want to say their names, so I'm just going to skip to say two men. And they're at Silver Beach on St. Uh, St. Joseph, and a wave comes up onto the pier and sweeps both of them into the lake at 5 p.m. on Sunday, March 28th, 2021. One wow. of the two of them, yeah, was able to get back on the pier, and he tossed this life ring to his friend still in the water. And the friend was able to grab the life ring, but he was like, it had pulled him out 70 yards off the pier. And he was able to pull his friend in for like maybe 20 yards when his friend lost his grip and went under the water and never came back. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Horrible. Yeah. They, it's not like they were on the lake. You know what I mean? I felt like the lake came up, grabbed them. Swallowed them. Swallowed them whole. Yeah. And killed a man. Like, oh my gosh. So yeah, then I start to then I start to, to look like how big are the Great Lakes? Why you know are they as big as some seas and stuff like that? And that's when I start reading this article when the, they're talking about is it a sea, is it a lake, and that the EPA calls it a freshwater inland sea. And I was like, oh shit! And they said, you know, it is is it it's this and this one scientist is like, I believe it's a sea, but when I'm out there like on, in my canoe. I treat it like, or I believe it's a lake, but when I'm out of my canoe, I treat it like it's a sea because it has like rip um, currents, it has storm surges, and we have metro tsunamis on our lake. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Yeah, we have tsunamis. They're not as big as like seismic tsunamis that cause like an earthquake causes a giant tsunami, but more we're like severe storms and, you know, meteorological um, meteorological events <laughs> cause giant waves that have been known to sweep up on the beach. And one time in June, 1954, seven people in Chicago died because of a rogue tsunami wave on Lake Michigan. Wow. Yeah. The more I read about these great lakes is the more I'm like, Oh, that's nope. <laughs> <laughs> Look at them from a distance. Yeah. Like, aren't they pretty from over here? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so they talk about how actually a lot of people that try to go canoeing or kayaking on, you know, Lake Superior don't realize that this isn't your regular pond puddle and get in a lot of trouble. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, I would never. I mean, I know a lot of people have lost their lives out there, but I didn't realize like we can have tsunamis. Small tsunamis. Yeah. And that it will grab you and your friends and also drag you into the lake and grab you and pull you 70 yards out so that you die. Right. And people also forget this water is fucking freezing. Freezing. It is so that's cold. What I, that's what I remember. Yeah. It is cold it's, water. It's we been are years. Like, yeah, you're by August, maybe it's, you know, warm enough to like put your feet in. Yeah, well, I read this, uh, one time I read this article about this woman who always talked about wanting to go to the Great Lakes, and she goes to, like, Lake Erie or, like, Michigan, I can't remember, and it's November, and she's from, like, Florida, and lived in Florida her whole life. She takes off her shoes and tries to run into the lake, and it was immediately like, ah! Oh. <laughs> it was so cold. She wasn't right? expecting it. We're like, oh, yeah, girl, it's cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah, so what you got? So, Teresa was age 22. Okay. She was described as a person who lived and loved with everything she had and was known for her artistic abilities with painting and jewelry making. Oh, okay. She, she had been reported missing for about three months until her body was found in September of 2014. 
Wow. So she was missing for a few months and then her body was found. CBS News reported her body was found entombed in a 55-gallon drum filled with con- or filled with cement. Oh no shit. The drum was found in Plymouth Township. Oh. At a trailer, our travel trailer storage facility in a small little trailer. So this drum was in a small little trailer that was being stored. Okay. The Detroit Free Press reported the drum was covered in plastic and duct tape. It was found she died of asphyxiation. Okay. Around the time of her disappearance, Teresa was a victim of domestic violence involving her then-boyfriend, Scott. Oh, wow. And then after... And he, wait, so, but he did or didn't report her missing? Does it say? I could not figure out who reported her missing. Like, nobody... I I currently have an article I am struggling to find the details with, so I, I get it. Right, and this one was pieced together with like these articles were like a paragraph. Yeah, and you have to read fifteen of them to figure out what's happened. Yeah, most of them say the same thing. Absolutely. Okay, sorry. No, that's fine. And I, and so after she was a victim of domestic violence, shortly after there, I believe is when she went. She was reported missing. Okay. Does that make sense? It does make sense, yeah. Teresa's boyfriend, Scott Wobbe, W-O-B-B-E. You know, I always feel like uh, we're not, we don't have to figure out how to say the suspect's name correctly because I feel like, or, you know, I feel like we don't have to. We just need to try to get the (laughs) victim's names right and those other people are assholes. True. (laughs) Yeah, so fuck him with the mom. I don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) He was age 37. And he had told police he had last saw her near their Warren home, middle of June. So she went. So she went missing. Police interviewed him. Said, "Hey, I hadn't seen her since the middle of June." Okay. Scott was in uh, custody for a violation of probation when police charged him with first degree murder. Kidnapping and dismemberment of a body. Okay. They arrested him for Teresa's murder. Oh, okay. The Detroit Free Press reported Scott entered a plea of no contest and indicated he didn't want to put either family through a trial. Oh. During the sentencing hearing, Scott apologized to the family like they all do. Stated he felt horrible for what happened and he is tormented every day. Uh, sure, the sure, ju- sure. Yeah. The judge ordered Scott to have no contact with the family, pay restitution of about $9,000, and, uh. and sentenced him to life in prison without parole and without the absolute right to appeal. Because that's what happens when people say no Ooh. contest or so when the so I wonder how they got him to agree to that. To never be jail and to never even try to get out. You can't from my understanding, and I may be wrong, 
But when I read about that, because I wanted to know, like, how did that happen? You know, you have no right to appeal. It's because my understanding is, is it's because he pled no contest. Hmm. And since he waived his right to a trial, mm-hmm. that he has nothing to appeal. He can't appeal it. Okay. I think you're saying you can't say they did this or that wrong during my trial because there was none. Right. You're allowed, you're giving up those rights to appeal because you're asking the court ultimately to make the decision. Okay. So that's what I understood about that. Okay. So, yeah, crazy. She goes missing. I mean, this is about all I could dig up in 25 different articles I read. Seriously, I'm Um, with you. And, but, yeah, I was like, dude, you, you're messed up. See, I'm going to do marijuana, some marijuana, two different marijuana murders in my um, next one. And one of them, I cannot find anything past June of 2021. Like, I can't find is it postponed? Is it, you know, um, over? Uh, I, I checked a notice. He's not in jail. So, you know what I so, mean? So I'm doing one of those and I literally can't find anything within the last 11 months, 12 months, whatever. <laughs> so you know why that might be? Because I learned yesterday as I was investigating this other boyfriend who kills and I couldn't find anything. I mean, I couldn't even actually find, um, you know, they have the arraignment and then it's like a show pause. Okay. I couldn't find anything on this case. Like he was charged. I can't see him. So if he, in Otis, you can't see somebody that's just sitting in jail. And most of those people that haven't been prosecuted are just in jail. So you would have to look it up, not in Otis, but actually in the jail you believe there to be. Oh, like, maybe I can try to do that. Because yeah, yeah, I just don't I just don't have the nerve to call and ask, you know, through the Freedom of Information Act for documents. I just don't have the nerve. I'm gonna work on that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well well, and what I learned too, you know, doing this case that I have like four sentences on. Right. <laughs> what these people are like backed up. So you got a murder case. You're mm-hmm. charged with murder. They're mm-hmm. backed up until like next May. Oh, okay. Well, that might people be it are, then. Because at one point, this thing, it was supposed, they were supposed to have something happen in March and it was postponed to June. And the fucking article would not load to explain to me why, you know, it was postponed by three months. But after that three month postponement, they do have, like a preliminary hearing, I believe. And then after that, I can't find shit. So maybe they're still in the court system. Right. And they might, if you look, you know, if you know what county jail there might be in, you know, what county it happened in, you can go like Wayne County, you can go online and they'll give you a list of all the current, you know, inmates. Washtenaw County, all you have to do is call the phone number and say the person's name in the automated system. And it tells you all about them. You don't even talk to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's why, you know, you only get into Otis once from my understanding. And what I found is you only get into Otis if you, you're, you're actually found guilty of something. 
Okay, yeah, that's true. You're on the jail, jail. Yeah, or you're on probation for something. Yeah, true. All right. All right, Jen. Well, I think we did it. All right, all right, so yeah, next time I'll do marijuana murders, work murders related to marijuana. Is I working in a dispensary? <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about that. And I am just continuing with boyfriends who murder because Sweet. Dude, there's a lot of them. Yeah, well, the other day I saw like a girlfriend murder one. And I was like, maybe I should send that to Jen so we can keep gender balanced. <laughs> yeah, I figure after I get through. Yeah, I looked at that one. I figured after <laughs> I get through the next two. Yeah have then i'll switch over and do so doing girlfriends oh that's a good yeah. idea <laughs> right. so i'll uh, i'll uh i'll shake it up a bit all right cool sweet all right well, i'll talk to you later all right bye bye